DJ W460 
They have season eight of luxury yacht swap. Don't do it. Free trial starts. And it's all smooth sailing until you forget to cancel that. Which we always do. Well, with the BMO app, we'll identify if there's a change in monthly subscriptions or recurring payments. Like when a free trial expires. We don't have that many subscriptions. Explain Catflix. Entertainment for guests. When staying on top of your spending means real financial progress, that's the BMO effect. And right now, earn $300 when you open a BMO performance checking account. Valentino Summers and Wave Runners Chains on my niggas like slave runners Drug dealers anonymous How many Madonnas can that monster fit? My brick talk is more than obvious It's ominous, garage is the phantom Goose, ghost, and goblins Blind mode, walk the collection I'm Dennis Rodman The money count is the only moment of silence Cause hush money, there's drugs and violence Hat trick under my mattress Data stop, steal, has an asterisk After it, after all, I can make a call I can baptize a as I wash away my sins like a Catholic Who the fuck ain't master this? America's nightmares and flint Children of a lesser God when your melanin's got a tint And I can't even mention what I said or what I spent Cause my name in 18 wheelers is evidence I put my booze in the booze collections Life's a bitch, A to Z on her shoe collection Take your pick, paid in full like 86 G's on my body The new Gucci has less monogram God's got it, let he without Sin, cast the first stone So I built that all glass quad level first home Shatter all of your misconceptions Hold all of the missing weapons You thought I would miss my blessing The ultimate misdirection yeah. Your husband was a drug dealer For 14 years he sold crack cocaine uh. Federico Fellini in the flesh Sergio Cicchini inside his mesh Bitch, I've been breaking since the 80s Google me, baby, you crazy 89 in London pulling bins up Type it in, Google's your friend, bro 14-year drug dealer is still counting Who deserves the medal of freedom is my accountant He been hula hooping through loopholes working round shit I arrest you that had the townhouse surrounded Thanks to the lawyers, I mumbled the foyer, I tore the floor, yeah, that's for the toy fish, we been down in the oysters, I go through the garages like multiple choices, I told him pull the Royce up, I'm getting ghosts, I'm hearing noises, I think it's the boys, but I've been making it dust, we got storefronts, we got employee stuff, we been opening studios and 4040s up, the paper trail is gorgeous, Cases we bury some before a reasonable doubt trap. The jury hung. Bling bling. Every time I come around your city, bling bling. My tenure took me through Virginia. Asked Teddy Rowley about me. Asked the Federalis about me. Try to build a cell around me. Snatch my nigga Emory up. Try to get him to tell about me. He told 12, give me 12. He told him to go to hell about me. Drug dealers anonymous, got the Ubers, the future, our cars been autonomous. Mules move the drums, take them to different spots. We just call the shots by simply moving our thumbs. I'm a course of miracles with this shit. Nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Therein lies the peace of God. Oh. 
always knew I was a prophet, but I couldn't find a decent job. Life made me damn be dexterous. Counting with my right, whipping white with my left wrist. Damn, Daniel. FBI kid bringing them all white vans through. You're ready to relax and find peace, but your calm meditation guide stops when the screen locks. Get YouTube Premium with background, ad-free, and offline play so you can unwind uninterrupted. Try it for one month on us.
bathroom. Third time you use the line. God damn, she a pimp too. Teamwork with the dream work. All my niggas did seem work. All my niggas ain't make it through. So much death that my dreams hurt. Where I'm from, we go crazy with them choppers. Selling dope, going down there on my block. I got dollars on my Maybe you've been going through a breakup. For you, YouTube Music Premium has offline mode. So you can disconnect from social media, but keep blasting your heartbreak playlist. Upgrade to YouTube Music Premium. Uninterrupted music dedicated to you. Join one month free. Oh. Money, you miss me, don't you? Haters, wish you could hit me, don't you? <laughs> you should call me uncle, I understand. I'm back by popular Outside of Popeye's, he 
folks. I'm going to explain how a crystal radio works. As usual, I'll do it at the low level of the electrons in the wires. The crystal radio I'll use is the one in my How to Make a Crystal Radio video. I'll start first with a quick description of the crystal radio parts in action as electrons move through them. After that, I'll explain more detail about what the parts do and why they're there. The radio station sends us its speech and music using radio waves. These are electromagnetic waves that travel through the space between the radio station's transmitter and the crystal radio's antenna. When these waves arrive at our antenna, they make the electrons in the antenna move. Due to the shape of the wave, the electrons are made to move back and forth along the antenna. In this crystal radio, the antenna is connected to the short coil, causing electrons to move in the coil, too. This movement of electrons through the coil causes a fluctuating magnetic field to appear around the coil. The second coil is located near the first coil, but they're not connected together. However, the fluctuating magnetic field from the first coil overlaps the second coil enough to cause the electrons to move in the second coil. This is called induction. In parallel with the second coil is a capacitor. One plate of the capacitor is connected to one end of the coil. The other plate of the capacitor is connected to one end of the wiper blade, which is then touching the coil somewhere. The other end of the coil is connected to earth ground, and since the wiper blade is also connected to earth ground, that means that that section of the coil has no voltage, no current or electron flow. Nothing happens there. In my real-life radio, the capacitor plates are two cylinders made of aluminum foil. Between the cylinders is a non-electrically conductive material, in this case a piece of paper. To make it easier to visualize the electron flow in this animated drawing, instead of drawing two cylinders, one inside the other, I've just drawn two flat plates facing each other, with simulated cardboard in between. One of the plates can be moved so that the overlap between the two plates is adjustable. The electrons can't cross from one plate to the other because the cardboard doesn't conduct electrons. Instead, while electrons are moving through the coil, they're being pulled from one plate and deposited on the other plate. When the electrons are in reverse direction, the next parts of the diode and the earpiece. Notice that together, they're both connected to either plate of the capacitor. What's special about the diode is that it allows electrons to flow in one direction only, in this direction. You can tell which direction because of the line drawn nearer one end. However, it gets a little tricky. Grammarly helps make your writing clear and concise, no matter where you are. Compose a cover letter that stands out thanks to flawless writing and compelling word choice. Inspire your team with a presentation free of errors in spelling, punctuation, and grammar. Impress your boss with a proposal that gets straight to the point. And be sure your writing comes across the way you intend. Download Grammarly today to review your writing before you hit send. Hey guys. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine asked me to show him a crystal radio I made, which is this one right here, made it many years ago. And since then, I've played around with other variations and even a kit. Then I looked around YouTube and saw that there was no video that really went through step-by-step step how to make a crystal radio. So I figured I'd make one um, using as much scrap pieces as I could. So here's the video. I hope you uh, enjoy it. Here's the complete circuit diagram, but don't worry, you don't have to understand it in order to make this. Um, the parts we'll have to make are this capacitor and these two coils. So let's start with the capacitor. To make the capacitor, we need some aluminum foil, and we're going to cut these pieces. There we go. Okay, the first piece of foil I simply taped onto the paper tin tape. Use any kind of tape you want, as long as it's not electrically conductive tape. A half inch at the bottom here, one centimeter. For the other piece of aluminum foil, cut a 7 by 7 piece of white paper and tape the aluminum foil onto the middle of it. Okay, there we go. Next, take that piece and tape it so that it's uh, wrapped around paper towel roll. Uh, make it so it's snug fit, but so you can slide up and down fairly easily. 
you want the aluminum side facing out so that the paper is facing in. That way the paper is between this aluminum piece and the piece that you'd previously take onto the roll. Um, also, I'd ask, uh, it's just so that the paper be seven by seven inches, and that's because I knew that uh, if it's seven inches, that paper would fit completely around the paper towel roll, because you want this aluminum insulated from this aluminum. Next, cut a piece of wire about uh, one foot long, and uh, strip about an inch long piece of um, insulation off one end of it. Give it a little bit of a 90 degree turn there and uh, tape it to the top corner of the free-moving piece of aluminum foil. Put a few pieces of tape just to make sure they're fairly snug there, won't, won't move around. And then cut another piece of wire the same way and uh, strip it the same way and tape it to the bottom of the uh, piece of foil that doesn't move. And there we go, there's our completed capacitor. Now I'll show you how to make the two coils. Okay, for the coil, I'm going to use this uh, toilet paper roll right here. Uh, make sure you clean it off so you don't get the glue and stuff this. For the wire, I've got all kinds of wire here. Um, this is magnet wire. It's a thin wire, about, uh, what was it, all 22, 24, 26 gauge. And it's covered in enamel insulation. Basically kind of resin or something. Uh, it's called magnet wire. And the reason it's called magnet wire is usually used for making electromagnets. I bought this from Radio Shack, it came in a package of different ones. You uh, can also use wire like this with uh, thicker insulation, but it is going to take up more room uh, when you wind it on the coil. And then I've got this big spool right here, which is one I'm actually going to use. I bought a long time ago, I'm never going to use it uh, completely, it's 26 gauge. That's a wire I'm going to use. Okay, to start for the coil, what I suggest, this is a technique that works well for me, Take a piece of masking tape, or whatever tape you use, and uh, cut it to the complete length of the, um, the toilet paper roll. Stick it on there. Fold it back if you want. Okay, and then take another piece just like that, and do it again. Okay, the first winding is the uh, primary. And uh, that's the one that the wire that the antenna is going to be attached to. That's your input uh, coil. Uh, I'm going to start it fairly close to the edge. And uh, as I said, to hold it in place, I'll peel back the tape and put it in place. I'm going to leave about oh, a foot or so wire sticking out. Like So, ready to start. I'm going to do 25 turns. Okay, there we go. It's left about a foot right here on the end. And uh, lift this up. While I'm doing this, I just want to point out the uh, direction that you start the first coil. This coil. It doesn't really matter. As long as both coils you're going to do are wound in the same direction. Okay, so I've lifted the tape. Put it underneath there, snugly, very close, down to the other windings, and put the tape back. And there we go, that's the first one. Now to work on the, uh, the second coil. Okay, the second coil, the second area is 90 turns, 9-0. And you want to start it 
one eighth of an inch away from the coil I just did. That's that, quite close. And 90. Okay, the next step is to make a good holder for all of this. Um, so I got this literally pieces of scrap wood. I screwed a piece of, as you can see, scrap wood to here. And then on the back, I also screwed some more pieces of scrap wood together. And the whole idea is it goes like this. You take the uh, capacitor and just slide it on like that. So for adjusting the capacitance, you can just oops, do that. You'll put a contact there. Um, now, for the coil, you're going to need some way of tuning this coil because this is a tunable crystal radial. For that, I've got this sort of thing. Um, what is this? Well, this is simply a piece of paint can. I took a piece of paint can and cut it up and cut a piece of metal to this shape. That way, I could make a wiper blade. And I simply put a little screw here and screw that to the top of that. So I just basically bend it into a V-shape. That way where it wipes against the coil there, it's uh, you know, fairly smooth but uh, surface, but comes to a point. Okay, so the next step will be to uh, find out where we're going to put this, probably around there, and put some thumbtacks just to hold it in place. And I've got to sand the top of the coil right here. Uh, but when you sand the top of the coil, that makes contact with the blade. Um, when you sand the top of the coil, you want to make sure you don't short out one wire to the next wire, but not in between the wires. Actually, I just take the coil down to where you can see the finished result. The next step is to start hooking up some wires here. First thing we'll need is a ground wire connection. For that, I use this trick right here. Um, what I do is I have a North America we have plugs like this. This prop requires here. First thing we'll do the finished result wire connect. And uh, there's also something you can dip it in. I don't know if it's acetone or something that uh, just dissolves the enamel. Okay, I've done all four ends right here, all four pieces of enamel wire. Okay, now to start putting it together. Um, let's start over here with the ground base speed. Meet Editor X. The world's most advanced website design platform. Made for you. The creator. Imagine trying to teach a person to swim without water. Well, the same holds true for global learning. If we want our students to gain the knowledge and skills of global citizenship, they need opportunities to work on shared challenges with people who are different from them in our classrooms, our communities, around the world, and online. COIL, Collaborative Online International Learning, is a powerful form of global learning for both teachers and their students. With COIL, teachers in different institutions, countries, and cultures partner to design experiences that will challenge their students to connect their diverse knowledge and perspectives across borders of time, place, language, and discipline. COIL is an accessible form of global learning because it's often embedded within existing face-to-face, -face, hybrid, or fully online courses. 
COIL collaborations can involve courses in the same discipline, such as students comparing different marine conservation practices across the world, or in complementary disciplines, such as architecture and anthropology students teaming up to create more culturally responsive building designs. COIL experiences usually last from four to eight weeks, and they involve three main components. Icebreaker activities that help students get to know and trust each other. A collaborative task that demands diverse contributions from every person participating. And reflection activities that help students transform their COIL experiences into new ways of thinking about themselves, others, and the world around them. Sure, COIL uses technology to connect people and their ideas, and it often involves voice and video conferencing. But you don't have to be super tech savvy to communicate and collaborate. Great COIL experiences can involve low bandwidth asynchronous exchanges using nothing but a smartphone. COIL faculty and students thrive when they're supported by a team of international education leaders, instructional technologists, and educational developers. And COIL is a critical component of robust, resilient international partnerships. COIL is powerful on its own, but when it connects faculty and students to other opportunities to engage with the world's knowledge network, such as language learning and intercultural dialogues, and teaching, research, study, service, and internships abroad, COIL maximizes its potential to enable global learning for all. Collaborative Online International Learning, also known as COIL, is an innovative way for students to engage in global dialogue across their disciplines. Collaborative Online International Learning moves beyond just sitting down at your computer and you sign on to an online course. It's developing a relationship with people in another nation. It's an opportunity for you to enliven your classroom with global connections. Faculty from two universities from two countries co-create a technology-enhanced learning environment giving their students an authentic, online, intercultural experience while still achieving course learning objectives. In our COIL course, we have the students um, do a shared assignment. Each of them interviews a refugee or immigrant um, uh, to their country. I remember a, a conversation um, about healthcare that we had and the students in Iceland were astounded that people filed bankruptcy to pay their medical bills. Kind of gives you a wake-up call to Say, hey, that is crazy. Coil projects utilize the resources that are already available in a really wonderful way. Students ended up collaborating on videos telling the story of sustainability in the two different communities in Duluth and in Southern Portugal Sea, in Mexico. Traditionally, sometimes we would bring a culture bearer to the classroom to teach them about music of another culture, but here they're developing a relationship with someone throughout the semester. My name is Anna, and I'm from Russia. This is a way that you get to share your humanness with people who are anywhere in the world. 
the benefits are getting to know people, you know, feeling like I have a relationship with these people um, that are across the ocean. We were actually making connections with people from other countries, and I can still tell you two years later, I'm still talking to one of the students from San Luis Potosí. And realize that what's tangible, the way they engage with world music, and of course they have a, a person. Coiled courses better prepare students to function effectively in a global environment and strengthen international partnerships between institutions. This is something that I think it's very important for students to experience before they go into the real world. I'm part of an international family myself. It's really important to me to have that value in my life. We are also teaching a partnership method of how to collaborate between countries, between borders, between cultures. This work is really important because we need to be much more sensitive to each other. The more coil classes you take and the more experiences that you have, then the better your understanding of the world is, and I think the bigger impact you'll be able to make. This is the great equalizer. Now we're going to be able to give all our students a global experience. You don't have to pay for an airfare, you don't have to worry about packing your suitcase. All you have to do is open your mind. Please visit our website to learn more. Uh, good morning, everyone. We'll, we'll begin. Um, welcome to uh, to everyone in the room and everyone who is watching the video the webcast. My name is Rob Wells. I'm the director of the Center for Teaching for Innovation, Teaching, and Learning. On behalf of myself and Sonia Knudsen, uh, who's the director of the Internationalization Office, it gives me great pleasure to introduce John Rubin, former director of the uh, SUNY Coil Center and the principal of Coil Consulting. John will be visiting Memorial for the next two days to introduce the, the, the COIL or Collaborative Online International Learning concept to Memorial. And Sonia and I have been monitoring COIL uh, developments for quite some time. And we're convinced that it represents an opportunity to provide a meaningful virtual international experience for our learners. John will be conducting a workshop this afternoon that will take a deeper dive into the subject. If your interest is piqued by what you learned this morning, please contact Sonia or myself to register for the workshop. If you aren't able to attend this afternoon, John has some time available uh, tomorrow morning to meet with you to discuss the concept further, either in person or virtually. Uh, please contact Gladys White at 864-7921 or gwhite.mung.ca to arrange the time. Now we are webcasting this, and uh, John will be speaking, of, uh, making presentation for a while. Then we'll take Q and A afterwards. If you're watching virtually, uh, then please use the uh, the Twitter handle hashtag CoilNL, all uh, uppercase, uh, and uh, questions will be relayed to John uh, at that time. So. Thank you very much for your participant, uh, participation today. I've heard John speak on this subject a number of times now, and I'm confident that you will leave today motivated to explore coil further with an aim to implement it in your courses. Uh, John, welcome to Memorial and Newfoundland. Delighted to have you with us. Thank you.
Thanks, Rob. Glad to see you all here. It's a very <coughs> pleasant room. I was expecting something more like an auditorium. And uh, this is nice with everybody just sitting at tables. I just apologize for sort of bringing a chill with me. Uh, it seemed like it was warmer here, and certainly it was warmer where I was in Brooklyn, New York, uh, a day ago. And as I got closer and closer to Memorial, it got colder and colder. Um, but I don't really mind. And I even brought my winter coat for the first time this year, so I'm comfortable being here. So um, I also hope while I'm here for um, to learn more about Newfoundland and St. John's and Memorial University. Um, a lot of what I'm interested in and what I'll be discussing has to do with mutual or bilateral engagement. That internationalization on any level should be a two-way street, and this coil model is particularly that. I don't know whether my visit here really is a very good model for it, since I'll be here for about 48 hours, um, and I'll mainly be here on the campus. But uh, I just wanted to start out with that number because I think it's, it's what makes what I'll be talking about somewhat different than at least some other internationalization approaches. And I do hope I'll be back at some point and get to explore uh, the city and the province more fully. So I'm going to read a little bit, I'm going to speak a little bit, I'm going to show some slides, I'm going to show some movies, videos, really, uh, and even animation. So this will be a bit of a multimedia approach and uh, hopefully as I switch through different programs I won't stumble too much but any of you who work with technology know that there are always little glitches and in fact teaching a coil course which is a course that involves technology you kind of have to live with that it's part of teaching with technology and things occasionally don't work the way you expect um, so uh, I'm going to begin though with a few broader words uh, we live in a world where globalization is affecting us all in many ways, but where too many people are forming their opinions of the world and of others without authentic knowledge. So much of the information we receive is filtered and distorted to the point that fake news has become one of the cliché phrases of the day. <laughs> our students and our faculty need to transcend that noise to see the world for what it is by having authentic interactions with people living in other cultures and environments. Until recently, the only way to do this was to travel, and probably that modality, when engaged with intensity and self-awareness, is still the best way to learn about the world, although it's clear that simply to travel doesn't necessarily open your eyes to other cultures. It depends how you travel that's not the topic of my talk today. However, very few university students and fewer instructors than we would like will ever have the chance to blend study and research with travel. In the U.S., only about 4% of all college students will participate in study abroad or exchange during their college years. In Europe, the numbers are slightly higher, around 10%. In Europe, it's a little easier to travel to another country. Some people call it easy, easy jet study abroad. You know, for twenty-five dollars, you can go to a country uh, a thousand miles away and come back a week later. It's fairly. There are a lot of countries near each other. I don't mean to speak negatively of that situation, but for those of us in Canada, those of us in the U.S., to get to another country, except for us, um, takes quite a bit of effort and expense. 
So in Europe, the numbers are higher, around 10%, but in most of the rest of the world, the figure is 1% or less. In Canada, the overall figure is a little under 3%. So what do we do about the other 95 to 99% of students who can't participate or do not in this form of mobility? I believe we must help them to become more cross-culturally sensitive and better global citizens, especially in the politi current political climate. Now, I'm making a couple of references here that may seem rather American, and they kind of are, but I, I would just say that some of these issues that I'm not going to dwell on really uh, are pretty international right now. Um, issues of immigration, issues of uh, globalization, issues of internationalization. There's a lot lurking right now in the political climate all around the world. And so I think it's especially important right now for our students and faculty and staff to be uh, more aware of what's out there and why there's value to people who are different than ourselves. Additionally, those who do travel are often the more privileged. Not always the case, but often it is. And compounding the problem of mobility is a shifting demographic. I'm going to speak here about the U.S. I don't know if this is identically true here. But the average age of an American college undergraduate is now 24 years old. That's the average age of all undergraduates in the U.S. There's a, you know, I guess we have a mental image, I still do, of somebody graduating from high school, entering college 17, 18, and that most college students, undergraduates, are at that age. But that group, at least in the U.S., is now the minority. Most students are older, and some are much older. Many are married and hold down jobs, so they cannot possibly undertake extensive travel abroad. So no wonder we see so many working-class and middle-class Americans, at least, with such distorted views of the world. They simply have never been there, and they have no direct knowledge of so, collaborative online international learning, or COIL, and I'll just call it COIL for now, it's really a mouthful, um, provides an innovative and authentic pathway for our students and instructors to interact with the world that was not possible in the past. By utilizing rapidly expanding internet connectivity and increasingly widely available and less expensive technology, it has become possible for our instructors, our students, and our classrooms to be connected to international academics and their students far away. However, without guidance and structures, sorry, without guidance and structure, uh, most people utilize the internet only to interact with those like themselves. There's been a lot of research about this. When the internet first sort of exploded, it really seemed to many that this would be a chance for the world to connect and for people to really understand each other much better. But much research confirms the bubble which imposes most of us when we are socially networking online. So COIL is an attempt to use the university classroom setting as a vehicle for connecting what we could call diverse cultural and social bubbles for the benefit of all. I'm not sure I should say connecting bubbles. Has a kind of negative sound to it, but uh, I think that is in some case what we, what does happen. That a group in one area works with a group in another area, which would otherwise not know about each other and be isolated within their bubble. 
the model has been developing organically over the past 20 years, meaning foil. So this has been around for a while. Um, in the past, it was usually driven by inspired teachers working with colleagues abroad. Until recently, usually working without significant university support. So what I want to emphasize, and I'm going to give you an example based on my own experience is that historically, this work, whether it's called COIL or something else, because that terminology is fairly recent, has been faculty-driven, entirely faculty-driven, until I would say a couple of activities that took place about 10 years ago, mainly in the last three years. Every single COIL course was an individual professor saying, I want to do this with my colleague in such and such a country, and their dean in the chair said, really? Okay, um, but in the last few years, fortunately, there's become much more acknowledgement by many folks that this is a viable approach to internationalization, and so now we're getting support, at least in some places, from leadership, from administration, to help this happen, because it's not easy for an individual professor to just do this on their own. Some do, I did it, but not many people stick their necks out that far to do something that may take a little bit of extra time. So my own, I'll do a little personal serendipity here, because I came into this completely as a professor, as a faculty member. I sort of switched over to, as people jokingly say, the dark side, um, not that long ago, and became an administrator in this room, less than 10 years ago. So my own interest in online collaborative learning grew out of a cross-cultural video production course that I developed after spending a semester in the country of Belarus on a Fulbright Fellowship way back in 1999, now 18 years ago. Um, I wanted to connect my U.S. students with those I had been working with in Minsk, so I developed a course in which small intercultural teams produced videos on themes which they chose sequentially sending scenes back and forth across the internet while the students reflected on their creative process. So what I mean by this, without getting into the details of the syllabus, is that I would create teams of students, let's say, from New York and Belarus, very small teams, usually two on a side, occasionally one on a side. Those students would communicate with each other and decide a theme for a video they wanted to make together. Then, on one side only, they would make the first scene. And that would typically be under four minutes. That would then be posted, and even posting it pre-YouTube, pre-anything more or less, was a challenge. Um, in fact, the first times we were doing it, the university in Minsk and Belarus had such little connectivity that the only way we could send the videos was when the university shut down for the evening. They would click send, and the two or three videos would trickle out all night and by the next morning, we would have them in the air. Because um, it would take many hours to send these short videos. So a different time, but it was doable even back then. Um, so this, we began this process. The students would receive the video. They would have two weeks then to reflect on it, meaning write something back, and create the next scene of that video. That would then be posted. Then the first team would get that back and would have two weeks to reflect and produce the negative videos over about nine weeks that weren't trying in a certain level to tell one story. Now this is an impossible challenge. I mean, it really is. It's a crazy project in a way. 
but what it does require is that the two groups of students are trying to comprehend each other's point of view. Why did they make this video? What am I supposed to do with it? Even though they did spend some preliminary time supposedly planning it, but most of the time, the videos they received were not what they expected. And most of the time, this caused some consternation. So that meant that those students had to find some way to respond. And they had to think, is what I'm sending going to be received well? Do I even understand the people I'm sending it to well enough to know what they would prefer or what they would be interested in? And do I want to give up enough of my ego that I'm going to make something that would be interesting to them rather than to me? These are actually pretty heady questions for a 20-year-old, say, to be dealing with and knowing that they're actually going to be graded on their work. Because this was a, a four-credit course. This was not extracurricular activity. So, um, and what happened occasionally, I don't want to belabor this much further because I don't want to talk solely about my course. This is a course that took place from 2002 to 2011. So it's already sort of historical. It's actually very unusual in terms of COIL, um, but it's not the only course that took this kind of shape. Um, but it's what got me involved into it as a professor. And I would simply say that um, the results were so exciting, were such a revelation to me and to my students. Marinas, que puedes comprar y criar en tu cuarto. No lo creo. Miren. I sort of start to go back. Gente de mar. Viven en un tanque de agua. Hacen castillos. Juegan baloncesto y de todo. No. Sí. And, and this is a for our intercultural exchange. My American students couldn't find Belarus on the map before the course began. Without exception, not one of them with the locator on the map. No. By the end of the course, we're very, very interested in this little country, rock country in Eastern Europe. Um, not an easy target country for American students to take interest in. Um, so it set me down a path that I'll talk a little bit more about. This is not really a story of so to jump, I'm actually going to play in just a minute two of these exchange videos. So I think it's interesting to see what came out of this. You invisible hands, unknown to most of the world, have such great power they can engineer revolutions or manipulate economic crises. Are some of these people hardly even human? Reptiles disguised as royals and nobility. Some people think so, telling us that behind the many world-changing events, there is a secret society. The creation of the Sunni Corps Center, perhaps the first of these secret societies, was the Knights Templar, an organization of not just brave knights, but a powerful coalition of men that founded towns in England and other parts of Europe, had considerable political power, and were heavily involved in making. Were they the precursors to the Freemasons, a ritualistic secret society founded in London in 1717? Are we still at the mercy of many rich men that go about their business in secret? We'll start with the history of the Illuminati and what is generally believed to be the truth about that group of people. People that did for sure that and were part of a secret organization called the Illuminati. If we forget for a moment conspiracy theories regarding the current real or not real Illuminati, the first secret society going by that name was the Bavarian Society. This was a group of men led by Adam Weishaupt, a professor in Bavaria, who believed for the most part that religious and some social ideas were outdated, and the society needed to be illuminated to new ideas. Only had an interest in secret societies such as the Freemasons, but decided to create a society of his own.
This was very but different say that the video would be here the world by Nami today. To give you an idea, White House wrote that his secret society was to support freedom from all religious prejudices, cultivates the social virtues, and animates them by a great, feasible, and speedy process of universal happiness. To join this secret society, you need to be approved by another member, have wealth, and also have strong social connections. Once accepted, you started at level 1, which was not you could then try to connect two ranks, which were nervous and eliminated. So these were made about if you were part of another secret society, you were not shown. And women, monks, Chinese, and pagans were also persona non grata. By 1784, it thought there were around two to three thousand members. Made up mostly of intellectuals, journalists, politicians, doctors, and even the press. The that's true. How did that secret society Politicians, or even celebrities. Sometimes by means of spreading disease, and may even have a secret space program. All those involved are nothing but involved Perhaps the most outrageous of the ideas connected to this secret group. This idea was threaded into the mainstream consciousness by British conspiracy theorist David Icke, a man. Fast talking shit, it ain't gon' work, dude. Goin' backward, but after you get hurt, dude. Shit hit the fan on the plane, I was first, first. 